0: You know, baby, I know you think we can make it all work out, but I gotta tell it like it is, and I don't want to make this any harder than it needs to be, so don't cry.
1: Goonies Fantasy Podcast. Today's episode, Things Don't Always Work Out, is brought to you by me, Jason Seplick, your humble host, the FF Goonie himself. You can always find me at Twitter, at the FF Goonie. On today's show, we're going to be diving into Week 4 Review, and then jumping into... The week five matchup previews. But before we jump into that, let's get into the news of the week. First up in injury news, we got Tyler Eifert, tight end of the Bengals, suffered a major broken ankle injury. Now, if you saw this, this was gruesome, thus ending possibly his NFL career and life as he knows it. Uh, It was pretty brutal, sending some owners into a scramble on what to do at tight end. Other injury news includes my star wide receiver, T.Y. Hilton, exiting the Sunday game against the Texans with a lower body injury. This sounds like it's going to cost him Thursday night on the shortened week, leaving some owners to scramble and figure out how to replace him last minute, especially with the bye week starting. At the running back position, Leonard Fournette. Exited with another hamstring issue, reaggravating that injury. Uh, adding some added value to TJ Yeldon this week and moving forward. It sounds like this is going to be a continued nagging injury for him. Leaving you to question whether he's actually usable as a fantasy asset. Speaking of usable fantasy assets, after a strong performance, Giovanni Bernard is not practicing this week. While it looks like Joe Mixon is in line to return, speaking of returns from an extended period, Devonta Freeman is looking likely to start re- resume the season as the Falcons lead running back coming after a three-week absence. A pair of Green Bay wide receivers, Randall Cobb, still looks like he's going to be out. Geronimo Allison is battling for his life against the concussion protocol. Will he make it? No one knows, but not likely as he did not practice today. Leaving uh, Scantling as the primary secondary option. Primary secondary. That sounded weird in Green Bay, but also look for Jamona Moore. ...to try to squeeze his way in from the slot. This is going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on... ...as Allison is a big upside play if he can make it. Speaking of players that could make it... ...Will Fuller expects to play... ...thus hurting Kiki Kuti's value this week. So if you spent big on him... And you're hoping for a miracle? Maybe not. Although the uh, matchup is looking actually pretty good from the slot, so I expect him to actually do decent either way. Over in Washington, the Adrian Peterson scare has stopped. Although he had the bye week, he started the week with a no, did not practice, but he has now resumed practicing and expected to start against New Orleans' beatable run defense. Uh, Speaking of did not practice, a late scary one is Alex Collins. This one is going to be interesting as he's already struggling to hold on to the job as as well as the ball in Baltimore and leaving it wide open for Javoris Allen to get 15 yards rushing on 15 carries, maybe controlling the majority of work in Baltimore. Speaking of struggling with the starting job, Dalvin Cook is still not practicing, dealing with that hamstring. Uh, I'm not feeling real great about him, as he will probably try to play instead of resting, which is what he should be doing. And at the most important position in the league, Zerline is still injured, but the release of of the Sam Ficken kicker for the Rams and signing of Cairo Santos creates a new fantasy stud. Let's see if he can cash in or miss at least one kick, like pretty much every other kicker this year. And finally, Greg Olson is officially limited on Thursday. It sounds like he's eyeing a return this week or next, but you know what? I don't care. Greg Olson's foot is trouble. Please avoid at your own risk. Sorry, play at your own risk. Avoid at all cost. Um, It sounds like he's right, and we all know that we can trust players when they say they're right. Uh, Until he gets that secondary surgery, it's a hands-off for me with Greg Olson, but you're welcome to try. In league news, we had a couple of trades this week. The first one over in the Dynasty League involves, no surprise here, Clay at now called I'm Getting a Chub and Team Gravelin. Uh, let's see, Clay sent over Adam Thielen, Tyler Lockett, and Chris Carson. In return, received Dalvin Cook, Latavius Murray, and T.Y. Hilton. Now, whoever is facing Clay this week is probably doing cartwheels as most of those players are not going to play or play in any useful fashion. Um, It's starting to get a little ridiculous with the trading and the name-changing. This is a dynasty league, sir. You need to change your name. Never. Although, I guess since you probably won't ever win the trophy, uh, that won't really be a problem. So as far as this one is looking, I'm going to lean to the side of Clay actually winning long-term, but in the short-term, give me that Adam Thielen-Tyler Lockett combo with a little sprinkle of Chris Carson when he's healthy. Hype. And the second trade in our Collusion Dynasty League, uh, which actually occurred before, was team... Old players now. I guess that used to be team bye week. And the French, he's trading Joe Flacco for Tevin Coleman. This one seems like super collusion as Coleman used to be the old player's player to begin with. And secured a running back uh, upgrade for a piece of garbage intern, i.e. Joe Flacco. And with that this has been the weekend news. Now let's move on to week 4 review. <laughs>
0: You can't get You can't Just
1: You get a loss like me. That's right, starting off with our first matchup in the Keeper League. We had Macho Man Fred Savage versus Team Byweek himself, Hot Noonan Butchers. And on paper, this was a slam dunk easy win for Macho Man Fred Savage. I mean, you got Saquon Barkley, you have... RB1 for the week, Giovanni Bernard. You got T.Y. Hilton against Houston's porous pass defense. Marvin Jones against Dallas. You got Jarvis Landry against Oakland. The only knock on the team, really, was the Ravens against Pittsburgh. And Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to struggle a little against Chicago, but ultimately throw for 400 yards. Well, guess what? Most of that happened, and it didn't matter. The biggest letdown was Ryan Fitzpatrick only netting me three points before halftime and getting yanked. It's insane that this is what happened here. Uh, It's not like Jameis came in and he was much better, but they were looking for a reason. And I should have believed the narrative. I even thought about dropping him and picking up my old quarterback, Andrew Luck, because of what was said last week. But I just ignored it. And I was like, it's going to be fine. You're a favorite. You're playing against guys like Devontae Booker and Ty Montgomery. Who cares? So what? Who cares? Well, guess what? I care if I just stuck with luck instead of facing or chasing the Fitz magic. I would have won last week. I would have won this past week, but instead I lose to the tune of 104.1 to 121.3 where hot Newton butchers obliterated his season high Having only scored, I think, 87 was his highest score of the year so far. Oh, but that's all right. Let's drop an extra 34 points on that. With Carson Wentz putting up 24-7. DeAndre Hopkins benefiting from bullshit overtime and Will Fuller's injury. because I don't think he has that kind of game. Oh, and then how could we forget number one tight end Jared Cook who you will learn is the bane of my existence. I said I needed to get two wins while all my guys were out. Just didn't happen. But that's all right. I still got one win, and my team's now better for it other than the fact that T.Y. Hilton is now injured, and my receiving core has become thinner. It's just one of those things. It happens. Gotta shake it off and try again next time. Next up, we have the matchup between the
2: Megalodon
1: and the Great One. And I took the Megalodons for the win, and they did not disappoint with some last minute efforts on Monday Night Football. Tail the tape was Tom Brady. Just couldn't keep up with Deshaun. I'm not good at regular football most of the time, but man, can I score fantasy points? Watson being outscored 25 to 35.1. Old Leonard Fournette's injury was the saving grace on this one as both teams outperformed their projections by a long shot. And the final score, 140.6 to 143.7 this is the tail of the tape had Fournette not left with injury he would have easily gotten the 3.1 points to tie and a 0.1 more to win and that's rough when you have number one running back Zeke Elliott putting up 32 Robert Woods getting it done on Monday night with 18-6 and Travis Kelsey doing Travis Kelsey things and then of course stud wide receiver, Jordy Nelson. My goodness. Now, this was uh, two different teams by a long shot. You had the the consistent strong producers across the board other than one injury player versus the boom or bust nature. As Kareem Hunt came through finally with a big game against Denver at 25, but Lamar Miller against that weak indie defense disappointed at 4.9. Julio came in big, 21.8. But Allen Robinson disappointed on a six-touchdown Trubisky effort with only 9.3. Kyle Rudolph didn't do much. But John Brown exploded. Chargers didn't do much. But, well, let's explode it. It was just one of those days. But you know what? Congratulations on the Megalodons moving to 2-2 two and two and extending the winless great one to not-so-great status at 0-4. Next up, we had the SC Honkers versus the Scranton Stranglers. And this one was an easy one for the Honkers as I had them winning it outright. Big games from Andy Dalton, Melvin Gordon, Sterling Shepard. A little bit disappointing from Emmanuel Sanders in a shootout-style possible game. And Keenan Allen just struggling against that San Francisco D. Uh, I wouldn't read too much into it. I think he's going to start bouncing back, but it is a little worrisome. Uh, Also, the loss of Howard is going to hurt the honkers. But you know what? At least you got the win moving to 2-2. But that's pretty easy when Scranton Stranglers only put up 82.8 points. My goodness, the last minute Chris Carson, uh, we didn't pay attention to it. Uh, Loss was was a rough one to overcome, but you really didn't have much on the bench to uh, deal with that anyways. But that's alright, you can go ahead and trade Austin Hooper over to the Honkers and maybe try to salvage a little bit of your team. As Aaron Rodgers disappointed, David Johnson showed a little light but was okay. OBJ continues to be just sad, sad Odell, and Michael Thomas did nothing. They just double-teamed his ass, and he had no chance of giving you any worthwhile fantasy day. But that's all right. You never really had much of a chance. I mean, I didn't pick you to win, so... Kind of take it as it is. The only person I seem to get wrong all the time is my strong teams. Next up, we had Finkles Einhorn versus Popeyes Sailor Men. This was a Rock'em Sock'em Robots kind of matchup, and although I picked up Popeyes to win and he let me down, uh, that was probably due to injury again. Rough going, guys. Uh we had a final score of 136.7 to 129.4. Big game from Matt Stafford, even though he honestly did not look that great. Uh Alex Collins fumbled but still gave you enough with 9. Phillip Lindsay did decent at 14-9, but the big, big difference maker was Cooper Cup dropping 32-7, and Zachary's coming through with another strong performance of 16-2. And, I mean, honestly, the two big surprises on Popeyes were Drew Brees and Mike Williams. Brees only giving 8.6 in a 33-18 win. That is insanity. But you had James White come through with a huge performance. Gurley did plenty against Minnesota. Same with Thielen against the Rams. Uh, The big hurt was Will Fuller going out on injury. And then... Bill O'Brien telling you, oh, he could have come in and won you the fantasy week, but uh, you know it, we didn't think it was necessary. So Mike Williams uh, also disappointed on that San Francisco game with only two points on one catch, I believe. So um, better luck next time. I mean, you had Marshawn put up seventeen two, and Sony Michelle putting up seventy two on your bench. So. You got a pretty strong outlook with all those running backs. Maybe you'll start using them in the flex rather than trying to chase touchdowns with Mike Williams. Uh, Honestly, I probably would have played Marshawn Lynch. That would have been the safer move. I thought you had a uh, good advantage with your team, but it happens. That's all right. You still put up a very strong 129-4 in your loss And you're still at a winning record at 3-1-0, so it's not all lost. Don't hurt yourself. Next up, we had the matchup between Turn Your Head and Coughlin and the used-to-be Cinderella story of Carpe Victoria, who was handed their first loss to me, or by me, to them last week. And... The beating continues as I took Coughlin with an easy win and easily win they did. At a final score of 156.6 to 105.4, this was brutal. Brutal. Kirk Cousins dropping nearly 40 points. Well, you think that's good? His running back, Alvin Kamara, scored even more. More. And this was all on the back of a two-point Dalvin Cook game. A defense that only put up four points and a kicker that only put up six. This was just skill, position, mastery. Corey Davis did more than anyone could have hoped for with 26-6. Stefan Diggs did, had an okay to good game with 17-8. And although Eifer got hurt, he got you that 11.8 points and Adams. And a easy win, still got it done with double digits. The big disappointments, like my Dynasty team, you own Kenyon Drake, and you should probably take him out and back and shoot him. Between that and Big Ben not doing great at home against Baltimore, Eckler was one of your stronger performances after touching the ball three times maybe. I mean, come on. The only bright spots were Golden Tate found the end zone twice and Alshon came back with a force. And although you left 23.8 points on the bench with Hines, no one really expected you to play him. And it's fine because it wouldn't have mattered. You still would have gotten beaten down savagely. That's okay. There's always next week. So sorry for your loss. Condolences, condolences. And the final matchup was Brown and some scrubs versus Unjeu and France. Now, old Axel continues to disappoint as I took him to win, but he lost at a score of 111.2 to 90.6. And Brown and those scrubs got carried on the back of Matt Ryan's monster 35-point performance. Dion Lewis did enough. You lost to a team that started Tavon Austin, if that tells you anything, and Nelson Aguilar. Outside of Lewis being okay and Antonio Brown and Tyreek Hill being good, this was brutal, brutal that you lost to them. You got Patrick Mahomes, Jordan Howard. What happened? disappointed and disappeared. And although I've been calling for him to just not be a fit for Chicago, this is crazy that it happened like this. And I don't expect it to carry on. I think he'll be business as usual next week. But until then, oof. And Carlos Hyde, man, if only he just got three carries instead of whatever he pulled the, what was it? The 22 carries, he could have had two touchdowns and 20-some-odd more yards, but he didn't. And although he got double digits along with A.J. Green, the rest of your team kind of disappointed. Gronk continues to be a no-show. James Conner continues to prove why Le'Veon Bell needs to come back. And you had pretty much nothing on your bench. So congratulations for proving that maybe you shouldn't have won last year, and it was just all dumb luck. But that's okay, because we're going to move on to the Dynasty League, and in the Dynasty League, old Frenchie himself took it to the Americans. In the first matchup, we had the Frenchies versus the Americans, and... The winning score of 113.4 over a measly 89.6. Now, this is super sad that Axel won, considering he had a running back in single digits. No, he had two running backs in single digits. He had a tight end with zero points and a flex spot and wide receiver two in single digits and a defense in single digits. In fact, he had less double-digit scores than the Americans, but it didn't matter because Marcus Mariota is some kind of stranger wizard that has gained powers from necromon- er, necromancer hand of his and got 30.4 points, and world's greatest quarterback, Joe Flacco... Also got twenty-two point two points after that collusion trade for the win, and Dha and Nuke went just nuclear after that Fuller injury for the tune to twenty-seven nine, and that is rough because you got perennial stud that's never been a not QB one on the opposite end of Russell Wilson putting up a meager nine points and fantasy darling from last last week, Josh Allen in place of Blake Bortles for some reason, only putting up 1.9 points. And although that would not have gotten you the win, you would have been so much closer. In fact, you would have been close enough that I think if you had just sat your defense and played Blake Bortles, you would have won. So, I guess uh, that was dumb of you. Uh, Also dumb was Lashawn McCoy only getting 5.2, but what are you going to do when Mark Ingram suspended for his uh, Juice and Juice and Adrian Peterson's on a bye? No one blames you for that. Uh, Good performance from John Brown. Decent performance from Tyreek Hill. Strong performance from Ebron and Boyd, but it wasn't enough as the Browns let you down. Wilson let you down, and a couple of Bills let you down. Which begs the question, why you drafted so many Bills to begin with? Uh, I mean, the fact that you also, do you have, yeah. You have three Bills on your team? No, sorry. You only got two Bills on your team. You used to have more Bills. So, either way... Get rid of your bills, and maybe you'll win next time. Next up, we had Team Gravlin versus No Country for Old Players. I don't understand why you people keep changing your team names. This is a dynasty league. Have some pride in your team, damn it. Anyways... Team Gravelin easily dispensed with the old player country at a score of 151.8 to 104, as all but two positions with a replacement tight end and defense, scoring double digits, in fact, massive double digits for Team Gravelin. Rivers put up 21, Luck put up 35, Melvin Gordon put up 27. And then some teens plays with Lynch Green at Hilton and Devontae Adams. My goodness, this was a huge performance that could have been even huger, more huge, however you want to say it, if Cooper Cup was in there and not on your bench dropping 30 points. My goodness. But... Finally, the uh, inefficiencies of the quarterback position reared its ugly head for no country for old players. As Even though he super-stud himself, Patty Jack Mahomes got 22.9 points. Ryan Fitzmagic was Ryan Fitztragic, only putting up the three points. At least David Johnson and Kareem Hunt found their form, although I think... Johnson will continue the level he's playing at now. I don't think you can really expect it all from Hunt that often, so maybe start working him into a trade. Stefan Diggs went well, but as I said before, Williams and Gronk let everyone down. Unfortunately, you left Tariq Cohen, newly acquired running back of Collusion Trading, and number one running back, Giovanni Bernard, on the bench. And I understand it's really rough to not play David Johnson and Kareem Hunt, but sometimes you got to make a decision. Not so much with uh, with old uh, Turok Cohen, but at least with Giovanni Bernard, I probably would have played him over Tevin Coleman, as Tevin Coleman's been... Eh, Lately, and Bernard always seems to be a stud when given the workload. That's all right. You have next week to try, try again. After that week one good performance, it just hasn't been there. Next up, we had This Means War versus Fear the Juice. And my goodness, my pick of the juice. Oh, sorry. Let's go back for a second. I had picked Gravelin to win, so kudos to me on that. And, of course, as always, I pick the Americans to win, so Frenchie, of course, had to let me down by winning this one and losing the last one. Next up, we had Fear the Juice, and this means war, as I picked Fear the Juice for the win, and my God, it was a bloodbath the other way. Dan destroyed... Mike's team at a score of 184 to 139, or 184-7 to 139. That might be the biggest score of the year up to date. And the saddest part is that was with 15 points from Aaron Rodgers and 9.3 from Allen Robinson. But that didn't matter because those were the only two disappointments. Derek Carr dropped 31 points. Gurley, Gurley. Zeke was the best this week sterling Shepard was amazing kelsey did kelsey things and hyde was great and the packers were the best defense on the week how could you ask for anything more you can't and you won't get it again i'm sorry sir on the other end andy dalton alvin kamara sony michelle antonio brown will fuller even though he got hurt great Plays. Everyone else kind of disappointed, leaving you to wonder why you drafted old man Demarius Thomas. And Drew Brees just really let you down. In fact, a lot of your team leaves you to wonder, why did I go so old? Why didn't I value some youth? I have players like Greg Olson, Larry Fitzgerald, Demarius Thomas, Drew Brees, Case Keenum. Oh, my God. Tyler Eifert. Ty Montgomery, Tyro. Oh, my goodness, I am going to throw up from the age on this team. Brian would smack you in the face and tell you, get younger. That's all right. You had this savage beating to teach you your lesson. Next up, we had... Jonesen for some TDs versus now named I'm getting a chub, but at the time, I've got a feeling Woohoo! now I traded him. And this matchup didn't disappoint. At a score of 148.2 to 145, my pick of Jonesen for some TDs took it down. My goodness, this was a bloodbath. And the only reason that Clay had a chance was he decided to play Mitch Trubisky. I mean you can't really blame him. I mean who else is he gonna play? Josh Rosen? Jameis Winston on a coming off a suspension where he wasn't even the starter. So he was forced into greatness and greatness Mitch delivered for the first and probably last time ever. So breaking it down, the quarterbacks, man, this was a bloodbath. Matt Ryan with 29, Tom Brady with 19, Stafford with 20, and Mitch with 43 big ones. My goodness. And then this came down to Leonard Fournette injury, but it didn't prevent a win. It helped a win because his only four points were enough. Thank God he got hurt when he did and not earlier. And another single-digit points from another running back. But that's okay, because you got Julio Jones and Golden Tate and Zach Ertz, and that is all you need with those guys and Matt Ryan. And that's up against studs like Tr- Mitch Trubisky, Adam Thielen. But unfortunately, Lamar Miller let you down. Benjamin Watson light you down big time, as he could have had a couple more catches easily, And OBJ let you down with 10.5. This was a rough one, Clay. But Mr. Greenwood is now 4-0 and undefeated still, and you're a meager 2-2. And that's rough. But not as rough as the most appalling, ridiculous scores of the week. In the final matchup between myself, Bill Belichick, Puppet Master, and the 55s that were awful, awful team coming in. But my gosh, apparently you don't need much to have a great week and a great team can just have a dud of a week when all your players let you down simultaneously with the exception of one quarterback. My goodness. The worst part is, I left 18.4 points at the quarterback position on the bench over Ryan Tannehill's zero. That would have been 18 more points. Pumping me up to what? 97. I sat Amari Cooper because everyone sits Amari Cooper, and then Amari Cooper goes off. And I would have put up another 14 points over Marvin Jones. Why I double-dipped the Detroit Lions is beyond me. Because when I do that, of course Golden Tate's going to be the only useful one for the first time ever, which was another difference of 14 points. Alshon finally came back, but that didn't matter. I had no chance. I had single digits from Kenyon Drake, James Conner, number one receiver Michael Thomas, a pair of Lion studs, the Vance Dance himself, and Texans D against Indy. I went up against a negative nine-point defense, and I still got destroyed by a team that scored almost double the amount of points I did. 70 more points than me. My goodness. This is awful. But that's what you get when you play against one of the greatest quarterbacks ever Vikings quarterback, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz. Kieran Johnson only needs like seven touches, he'll get double digits. Forget my running backs. They're not allowed to get seven touches. Kenyon Drake, three. That's enough for you. One catch, two. Okay, so four touches. That's all we need to give you because we know Frank Gore is just the best. Philip Lindsey, another guy doesn't get many touches. Brandon Cooks, perennially lets you down, but not ever yet. I mean, my goodness, George Kittle, 21-5. Corey Davis in a tough matchup, 26-6. This is egregious. It's insane. And Brian's going to be like, oh, you can't doubt me. I'm the best team ever. You're not. You just had an amazing week against a team that happened to have the worst week ever. But I will rebound. I'm only one game down from you, and I'm only one game down from most people. It'll be okay. It'll be all right. I faked. I have faith, even though I was wronged. And thus concludes Week 4 Review. Next up, we have the Week 5 Preview.
0: Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man.
2: The
1: Week 5 Preview. We're going to start off with the Keeper League. First up, we have the Megalodons versus the SC Honkers. At quarterback, we got Deshaun Watson versus Cam Newton. This is actually a pretty close even one. Dallas' defense has actually been playing better, and I think Cam services enough with the run game that I'd probably lean safer going with Cam Newton, but I'm going to call this one a wash on the quarterbacks. At running backs, it's Kareem Hunt and Javoris Allen versus Melvin Gordon and Tevin Coleman. I'm sorry if you heard me laugh, but the fact that Lamar Miller scorned you so much that Javoris Allen is in your lineup tickles me pink uh i don't know if i could play him i understand that the matchup at cleveland is actually a pretty decent one for him uh but i think i'd rather die on the hill of trying royce freeman or uh carry on johnson in a little bit tougher matchups uh i actually like carry on even though green bay's d's better i think he does enough with what he gets so that's gonna be kind of tough Uh, I'm going to give the obvious advantage to Melvin Gordon being a little bit better than Kareem Hunt and Tevin Coleman in that fantasy bonanza that is Pittsburgh-Atlanta. I think he has a little bit of a bounce back and has a pretty decent game. So advantage, honkers on the running backs. At wide receiver, we got Julio Jones and John Brown versus Keenan Allen and Emmanuel Sanders. And although I think Julio is by far the best one and John Brown, you know what? I'm going to give advantage to Julio and John Brown just a little bit. I think this is a get right game for Keenan Allen. I actually expect good things. And I know that the Jets are not the greatest defense, but the place they actually have been playing semi-decent is the slot. And that's where Emmanuel Sanders makes his hay. And I actually am not believing in Keenan more and more. So give me that Julio-John Brown stat, because although I don't think John Brown is going to do much, Julio is going to go beat Nanas. At tight end, you got Kyle Rudolph versus ASJ. Now, ASJ should have every opportunity to score a touchdown, but I'm going to lean to Kyle Rudolph as the safer pick for more work, as he will see more targets advantage Kyle Rudolph. At tight end, we got Calvin Ridley versus Sterling Shepard. I do like Sterling Shepard quite a bit in Carolina. I think he's shown that he is going to be a useful piece. But, man, Ridley can do a lot with a little, and that's going to be a fantasy bonanza, as we've been talking about. And Calvin Ridley should get his, although I think this is actually going to be a little bit more of a sinew-heavy game. Uh... I'm going to call this one a wash. Although I like Calvin Ridley's talent, I think Shepard's a little more likely to see a larger portion of the work, and I think he's a little more crucial with larger target share uh, to the offense, whereas Calvin Ridley can really disappear, and they will be just fine against that not great pass defense from Pittsburgh. Uh, But that's okay, because the Panthers are a little bit of an advantage over the Patriots. Although, I think the Patriots will do well. (sighs) Man, that's tough, because the matchup is better for the Patriots. Missing T.Y. Hilton, missing Doyle, but it's going to be catch-up mode, and they're going to throw a lot of points up, whereas the Giants will also be in catch-up mode, but I don't think Eli can do it. I'm going to give a slight advantage to the Panthers, but not by much. And as always, kickers don't matter. So as long as the lineups stay the same, although I can exceed Kiki Kuti getting in there if uh, old um, Will Fuller doesn't uh, end up playing Sunday, I could see him getting in there at the flex maybe for Brian's team, but uh, looking it down in the Battle of the Bryans, I'm going to go with the running backs and the safer quarterback for the win as I take SC Honkers to narrowly edge out the Megalodons. This would be one where I actually call it a push, but I'm going to give home field advantage to those running backs that just look a little more appetizing than... The megalodons. I mean, if he throws in Royce Freeman or Ronald, or uh, sorry, Kyron Johnson, then that might actually swing me the other way. But as it sits now, let's go honkers. Next up, we have the great one versus Finkel is Einhorn. At the quarterback position, we got Tom Brady, TB12 himself, playing tonight versus Matty Snapback Stafford in Green Bay. Uh, This one, although Tom has not been playing great, he does have the advantage here getting Edelman back and playing an awful defense where Stafford's actually playing a somewhat decent defense as long as Green Bay can keep uh, from the roughing the passer flex. Give me the advantage to Tom Brady on the short week. Now this one's a little bit of a question mark as Joe Mixon is expected to play, but we're not sure. But at the running back position, we got Joe Mixon and Ezekiel Elliott versus JJ and Philip Lindsay. No questions. We're gonna go Joe Mixon and Zeke, How it sits, although I've proven that Philip Lindsay and other running backs that barely touch the ball can somehow outscore your guys. The fact that Zeke is on the field is the X factor here because even if uh, Joe Mixon doesn't play, then you still got Theo Riddick who should get a little bit of work as they struggle to move the ball. And enough, I'm going to take advantage of Zeke's side either way. At the receiver position, we got a battle of... Rams at Robert Woods versus Cooper Cup and Kenny Galladay versus D.D. Westbrook. Now, I actually like the talent on the Woods Galladay side a little bit more, but I see a easier path to success for D.D. Westbrook as he's leading the team in targets, and I don't see how that's going to change. Although I expect a good bounce back game from Keelan Cole. Um, I, I really don't see how that's going to change things. And honestly, without uh, Earl Thomas in the secondary, I think Cooper Cup's more likely to get touchdowns than Robert Woods. So give me that Cup-Westbrook stack over the Galladay woods one. At tight end, man, battle of the good tight ends and Zach Ertz versus Travis Kelsey. Uh, I'm actually going to lead... Ertz on a slight favorite as teams have shown a penchant to lining up tight ends and strong slot receivers against Anthony Barr, and he just can't keep up with these faster prospects in the receiving game. So uh, I view Ertz getting leaned on a little more, whereas Jacksonville will probably work on slowing down Kelsey and Hill the most. So I could honestly see um, Travis Kelsey getting A.J. Bouye and getting shut down a lot easier than I see Zach Ertz getting shut down as Alshon Jeffery is going to occupy Xavier Rhodes and Ertz is going to be the main beneficiary. At the flex position, we got T.J. Yeldon versus Jordy Nelson. And conventional wisdom will say T.J. Yeldon is the clear-cut winner but this just feels like a game that Jordy Nelson is going to just blow up again when he shouldn't. I think the Chargers are going to be a little more mindful of what he can do than teams have been ignoring him because I honestly watched his big, like, 180-yard game, and he was just beyond wide open for most of his catches, and I don't think the Chargers let that happen as much, and they'll probably play a little more uh, man-to-man rather than zone So I'm going to give advantage to TJ Yeldon in that massive workload against a weak Kansas City D as the opposing team's Leonard Fournette is out. Sorry, ouch, that hurts. There's still time to trade for Yeldon, but you're going to probably have to give up a little more than you'd want to to get him. So advantage Yeldon. As far as defenses, uh, man, choose your poison. Do you want the Colts against New England or the Vikings against Philly? I'm going to lean Vikings. Uh, Philly's still not 100% across the board with Jai a little banged up. Um, One injury averts away from being a little hobbled. I mean, they're they're healthy enough, don't get me wrong. But I I view the Vikings and Eagles getting into a low-scoring defensive battle a lot more than I view the Colts doing anything against New England's offense. So horrible advantage to the Vikings. And then Justin Tucker's the best kicker in the world, but kickers suck and don't matter. But with that, I mean, other than, man, it's really going to come down to pass catching uh, versus running backs and quarterback. And I got to say the running backs just, they look too meaty and good. So I'm going to go advantage the great one to get his first win of the season. Congratulations, Chris. I hope I didn't jinx you. Next up, we got the Scranton Stranglers going up against Popeye Sailor Men in a battle of the Creepers. At the quarterback position, we got Hobbled Aaron Rodgers versus Drew Brees. I'm going to go advantage Drew Brees, although I think Aaron Rodgers does more than enough. Um... Washington's pass rush doesn't scare me quite as much as Detroit's. as And I'm not saying Detroit's is great. And it's more that Rodgers isn't 100% super mobile. So I'm going to actually lean a little bit more to Green Bay leaning on the run game and not getting it done through the air quite as much in an easy win. Whereas I could see the Washington-New Orleans game turning into a massive shootout and Drew Brees just throwing it all over the place, whether it's dump-offs to Kamara and Ingram or Thomas up in the slot. Like, they'll want to move him to the slot to get him away from uh, Josh Norman, and I just see them utilizing and having a better game plan, so Drew Brees with the advantage. At the running back position, we got David Johnson and Belial Powell versus Sony Michelle and Todd Gurley. Do we really need to get into this one? Advantage, Sony Michelle, and Todd Gurley. Sony's got a banged up indie opposing offense that's going to give them favorable fields and a short week on the defense. So, advantage, Sony Michelle over almost maybe even David Johnson, even though that is a juicy matchup and I expect decent things from him. But the big one is Todd Gurley. Without that safety support in Earl Thomas, This team got weaker on defense in Seattle, so Gurley is just going to get his and win it. Uh, At wide receiver position, we got... Oh, sorry. And Belil Powell is Belil Powell. They won't use him enough. He has a chance to actually beat Denver a little bit, but it's not going to really matter much. Uh, At the wide receiver position, we got Odell Beckham Jr. versus Adam Thielen and Tyler Boyd versus Will Fuller. Now... Man, I got to I gotta give the advantage to Thielen over OBJ the way OBJ has been playing. I think this is a get-right game for him, and I think he actually has a good game. But, man, is Minnesota going to need Thielen in garbage time? Or if it's a competitive high-scoring game, I'm expecting 16-plus targets for him in a massive throwing shootout. And uh, although, like I said before, it could come down to defense— if it comes down to defense, I'm guessing Philly's going to win, and they're going to have to throw a bunch anyways at the end of the game. So, Thielen's just got the target share like a mofo. And then Tyler Boyd versus Will Fuller. Man, this is a real tough one, but I'm actually going to lean Tyler Boyd on the advantage. Will Fuller, if he plays, is still on the outside a bit, and Dallas's outside corner is actually pretty decent, although he will see the weaker one. A hobbled Will Fuller I don't want to take the risk on versus Tyler Boyd. So give me that Tyler Boyd all day, every day. Um, At tight end, we got Jordan Reed versus Vance McDonald. Man, this is the showdown of showdowns. Oh, sorry. So a receiver, I'm going to give advantage to the Scranton Stranglers, but very slightly. Um... At tight end, we got Jordan Reed in a what-should-be-shootout matchup versus Vance McDonald in a guaranteed shootout matchup. I mean, you got to follow the targets, and although Jordan Reed hasn't gotten as many targets as he should, I think this is more his get-right. He's going to get the targets, whereas Vance McDonald is still ramping up. We don't actually know his intended usage on the team because he came back and it was low. Excuse me, and then his center and then his uh, second game, the snap percentage went up, but we don't know his full intent. And although this is going to be a likely big game for him, I, I got to lean with rule 86 on this. And then at the flex position, you got my old receiver, Michael Thomas versus Marshawn Lynch. This is an easy one for me Michael Thomas over Marshawn Lynch. There's a chance Josh Gordon, Doug Baldwin, James White, they could all jump in there. He, Even though he disappointed, Mike Williams could have a big game in Oakland. I mean, there's a lot of options here, and it's really, it's really crazy to see all of them on the bench, but this team is looking pretty strong for uh, the Popeyes, and I think he's going to benefit quite a bit on... Uh, down the stretch with this strong depth but as of right now he just he doesn't get it out there um, just with the matchups and how everything is favoring uh, as far as DSTs you got the Rams in Seattle versus Cardinals in Frisco I think they're pretty even I think the Rams are a better team than the Cardinals but I think the Seahawks are a slightly better offense than San Francisco but they both should allow for points but give me the slight advantage to the Rams, because even though they let a lot of points go last week, they still ended up with five, so I don't view them as any way possibly giving you a negative. As always, kickers don't matter. Uh, other notable players that are left off on the bench you got Geronimo Allison, Tyler Lockett. Not really going to play them over these guys, so it's going to come down once again to the running backs. Because although I think there is a tight end and flex advantage for sure, and a little bit of receiver advantage for Scranton Stranglers, Popeye Sailormen are no scrubs in those spots with Lynch, with McDonald, Thielen, and Fowler, and whoever else they decide to slide in. And they're gonna win out with Michelle and Gurley and Breeze at the quarterback, so gimme Popeye Sailorman for the win. Next up we have Unjur in France versus Carpe Victoria in the pompous bowl of the week. At the quarterback position, we got Patty Jack Mahomes facing his toughest opponent yet in Jacksonville versus Big Ben Roethlisberger in the shoot-em-up matchup against Atlanta. Give me advantage, Big Ben. Although last week, Pat Mahomes showed that even though when he doesn't play that great, he still gets fantasy points, you got to take the touchdown potential of Big Ben as the <coughs> big advantage right now. So... Advantage, Big Ben. At the running back position, we got Carlos Hyde and Mike Davis versus Chris Thompson and Naheem Hines in the ugliest running back matchup of all time. Who thought we'd be talking about these guys? But dear God, we are. Uh, So with that, we got Hyde in a bad matchup against Baltimore, Davis in a bad matchup against the Rams, Chris Thompson in a matchup he will get utilized in. And same with Hines. Give me the advantage to Carpe Victoria again. No doubt. No question. Next up, we have at receiver AJ Green and Antonio Callaway versus Alshon Joffrey and Golden Tate. I think this is another game where Golden Tate gets some usage in the slot. Uh, I think Alshon will get his to an extent, although I think it's going to be a mediocre game. Whereas AJ Green is going to have a huge game, and Antonio Callaway, I just I don't see him staying in there. I could see either Fitz or Christian Kirk getting in there. Uh, I understand the uh, hopes that they're going to be in catch-up, but you're just betting on a uh, on a big play and pretty much nothing else. <laughs> so I will. I will lean, I, you know what, it's going to be a huge game still for AJ, but I don't know if he needs to do that much, especially with Mix coming back, so give me advantage, Golden Tate and Alshon. Uh, tight end, i got to go with Gronk. It's Gronk versus Njoku, and although Gronk's been super disappointing, this is a good get-right game, and unless he is inactive for whatever reason tonight, and uh, he can't play, um, I, I don't see how he doesn't outscore Njoku in this matchup. And then finally, we got James Connor versus Devin Funchess. And although I like Devin Funchess a lot in this matchup, and I do mean a lot, I have to go with the the probability that James Connor is going to see some more valuable touches and the highest over-under of all time. That continues to get higher so give me an advantage even though he's been crapping it up lately to james connor and then finally it's gonna be a battle of whose opponent sucks worse as the broncos take on the jets versus the titans in buffalo <clears throat> oh man uh wash but who knows i think that one's a wash and clearly even though Gronk is magic, we got to give the win to Carpe Victoria to finally get his season right after opening so strong and getting to 3 and 2. Sorry Frenchy, which also means Frenchy will probably win since uh, he can never just do what I tell him to do. And then next up, we got Brown and some scrubs versus Hot Noon and Butchers. And, of course, Brown and some, or Hot Noon and Butchers is going to return to Irrelevance, and Brown and Some Scrubs is probably going to run a train on them. But let's take a look. we got Carson Wentz in Minnesota versus Matt Ryan in Pitt, at Pittsburgh. Give me Matt Ryan all day. Don't need to break it down. Devonta Booker and Ty Montgomery versus Christian McCaffrey and Deion Lewis. Need I say more? McCaffrey, highly involved, whether it's in the run or pass game. Deion Lewis, the better back in Tennessee, and I think they're starting to really realize it, and they're going to start shifting more work his way. Advantage them over these third-string pass-catch-only running backs of Devonta Booker and Ty Montgomery. Uh, saving grace, though, you got DeAndre Hopkins and Juju Smith-Schuster versus Antonio Brown and Tyreek Hill. So although it hasn't been this way so far to the season, I'm going to call it a wash between Antonio and Juju and give the advantage to DeAndre Hopkins over Tyreek Hill. So advantage Hot Noonan Butchers on the receivers. Although Dallas has some good Corners, I don't see DeAndre Hopkins getting shut down nearly as bad as Tyreek Hill. Although Tyreek has just as good a possibility as a high-end big play. I I gotta go, I gotta go with him. And then of course it's Jimmy Graham versus Jared Cook. So Jared Cook's gotta be the best tight end of all friggin' time. So I don't wanna be wrong, and uh, so I'm just gonna say Jared Cook's the better tight end. And it comes down to Michael Crabtree versus Nelson Aguilar. And I'm just sitting here going like, how are you gonna play Nelson Aguilar? I'm guessing that this isn't set Neither Adrian Peterson or Amari Cooper or Ryan Grant's gonna be in there. And all of those are better plays than Crabtree. But that's okay, because you got Julian Edelman. And if you're smart enough and you actually paid attention to your lineup, you could probably slide him in. The chances are you won't do that, and oh well, so sorry. If you do, Edelman's a great play. I don't like him as much as Mari Cooper this week or Adrian Peterson, but that would be kind of washish territory if you played him, so we'll see what actually happens here. Uh, Good luck to you on that. And then finally, it's the DSTs of Jacksonville versus Packers (coughs) in the trap... Game of the week for defenses. I think Jaguars are going to struggle but still do enough. And the Packers are looking to be a decent fantasy defense. This is really tough, but I, I'm going to give the slight advantage to the better defense with Jacksonville. Uh, but that doesn't matter because, of course, my pick is Brown subscribes, scrubs. And I doubt that you're going to show up, Butchers, because the only time you would possibly... Uh, show up and disappointed team would be when you're facing me. So that brings us to our final matchup, the big matchup of the week. Macho man Fred Sir! Versus turn your head and <coughs> Coughlin. And man this is just all sorts of rough. I got Jared Goff but he's got Kirk Cousins and Kirk Cousins is going to air it out. But I'm going to give myself the advantage at quarterback as I think Goff is the safer play with almost as much upside possibility. So give me Goff. At running back, we got Alvin Kamara and maybe Dalvin Cook, maybe Devonta Freeman. I'm going to guess Devonta Freeman ends up so in there because how you trust Dalvin after that. So Alvin Kamara and Devonta Freeman versus Saquon Barkley and Aaron Jones, Matt Burita, Mark Ingram... Or I guess Giovanni Bernard, if somehow he ends up playing and Mixon doesn't play. It's going to be really hard for me to actually pick between these running backs this week. But it doesn't matter because although Saquon is great and all these guys actually have good matchups and are great picks... I mean, how am I going to bet against Alvin Kamara and what he's been doing? And Devonta Freeman could maybe get five carries, and that would be great for this league and terrible for my dynasty league. But I got to go I gotta go with the number one running back and a solid high over-under running back. So advantage, turn your head in Kaufman. At receiver, we got Brandon Cooks and Stefan Diggs versus Mar- uh, Jarvis Landry and either... Marvin Jones or Mohamed Sanu? Yes, that's what I said. I might play Sanu. Unfortunately, T.Y. Houghton screwed me over getting hurt, so my receiving core is weak, and Sanu is in that huge, huge over-under, whereas Marvin Jones might see some strong cornerback play, so that's a really tough one for me, and I don't like Landry's matchup. And Diggs is the superior talent that could beat out in Philly. And Brandon Cooks is gonna get his with that weak pass defense in Seattle compared to their stellar offense. So advantage clay for that. At tight end, Eric Ebron versus Ricky Seals-Jones, and showing everything that's happened to this point, Ebron should be the win, but they're on a short week. He's one of few weapons left, and New England's probably gonna bracket to him and Seals-Jones is going against San Francisco. And they've given up a touchdown to pretty much everyone so far, and why would that stop, even though Seals-Jones has disappointed the crap out of everyone already so far. Um, Ebron's the advantage, but I wouldn't be surprised if Seals-Jones ends up outscoring him. And then finally, we got Devontae Adams versus Darius Slay, and either Matt Breda... Mark Ingram, Aaron Jones, or Sanu, or Giovanni Bernard. Who knows at my flex? Either way, they're all solid options. It's really tough to pick. And I'm going to give the slight advantage to Adams, although I don't think he's a good receiver. He somehow gets things done because he gets targeted by Aaron Rodgers. And my team's probably going to let me down in horrid, horrid fashion. So although I'm not happy about it, I will give the advantage to the Fudge Packer, Devontae Adams himself. And then finally, defense. We got the Ravens versus the Browns in a heads-up matchup. Uh, Ravens are the clear advantage. You got a rookie quarterback and still not sure what they have in their weapons kind of offense with Hugh Jackson versus a Ravens defense that gets Jimmy Smith back. They should be a lot stronger, and although the Browns have been playing well, they just let Oakland stomp them, so advantage for Ravens. I say I have a chance. It's all based on if I pick the right combination, but... Knowing me, I probably won't pick the right combination. It's why I'm actually regretting my oldest league because I went too many depth plays and I should have just picked some studs and not worried about it because I overthink things a little too much sometimes. And I'm going to give the win to Coughlin. Turn your head in Coughlin. Clay gets the win. Moving to 4-1 and, and dropping me to 1-4 and four before my meteoric comeback and next up we're going to the dynasty matchups for week five First up, we have the Americans fearing the juice. We got Justin versus Mike. At the quarterback position, we got Blake Bortles and Russell Wilson versus Drew Brees and Andy Dalton. Although Blake Bortles has a positive matchup, and Russell Wilson has a matchup that will ensure that he has to throw a lot, we got to give the advantage to Drew Breeze and Andy Dalton. Dalton gets Miami, Breeze gets Washington. This is just a safe chalk play. And although Blake Bortles and Russell Wilson can go bananas in scoring, advantage Breeze. I think Bortles does plenty, but he doesn't need to do that much. And Yeldon will eat into his work a little too much. So there's the advantage. Next up, we have Saquon Barkley and Adrian Peterson versus Alvin Kamara and Sony Michelle. Again, we got to go Alvin Kamara and Sony Michelle. Uh, that's a powerful duo. And although I like Saquon, and I actually like Adrian because he's gotten some rest, and this will probably be his last useful week, uh, the game's going to get out of hand for Washington. They're going to have to throw more and use Chris Thompson. And I don't see that happening for New England, so I think Sony gets his. I think Kamara is going to get his, even in a limited fashion, and advantage to them. At the receiver position, we got Tyreek Hill and Tyler Boyd versus Antonio Brown and Will Fuller. Needless to say, we like Antonio Brown over Tyreek because the matchup and Antonio Brown is just fantastic and uh, surprisingly will fuller's in there if he ends up being injured then you got a tough choice uh, you could turn to Tyrell Williams against Oakland, Crabtree and Cleveland uh Fitz or Demarius Thomas not loving any of those options will fuller is clearly the best i mean honestly i might go the contrarian weird play and go with either Tyrell Williams or the Been disappointing you, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, if he can't go. Um, Tyler Boyd is the strong play here, but I think that Antonio Brown and what Will Fuller can do in Dallas is just too strong to overcome, so advantage Brown and Fuller. At tie-down, though, you do have an advantage sitting there with Jordan Reed versus David Njoku. It's a tough matchup for Njoku, and honestly, we all thought he'd be a little more involved at this point, so give me... Jordan Reed. Now, someone that's got the balls to play Mark Ingram and not be wishy-washy about it, at the flex position, the Americans are bringing the fire up against Deion Lewis. I like Deion Lewis more. Uh, There is a chance that you could uh, maybe go to the well with uh, John Brown or Josh Gordon or Shady McCoy. Probably not. Mark Ingram's the can't believe I'm saying it, but safest pick even in his first week back. But I think Deion Lewis is going to be involved enough early and get enough overall work that he makes his opportunities against that weak Buffalo defense happen. So give me advantage, Deion Lewis. And once again, we got the Broncos versus the Titans. Slightly advantaged Broncos, but not by much. Maybe it's slightly advantaged Titans, but not by much. Who cares? They're both great. They both have horrid opponents. So with the advantages at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and flex. Give me fear the juice for the win. Extending the Americans into 0-5. They are clearly not great again. Next up, we have no country for old players versus I'm getting a chub in the I-can't-decide-what-my-team-name-is matchup of the week. At the quarterback position in these perennial trade partners, we have Patrick Mahomes and Sam Darnold versus Josh Rosen and Matty Snapback himself Dafford, as Mitch Trubisky and Jameis Winston, who both were probably on No Country's teams at some point, are on bye. I know for sure Jameis was. And I'm pretty sure Sam Darnold was on show. It's so hard to keep these guys straight, honestly. Other than Patrick Mahomes, I don't think there's a single quarterback that was originally on these teams. But anyways... Uh... As those are your only options, let's take a look. And I'm going to say, as much as I don't love Josh Rosen yet, and I think he needs time, I think Stafford and him are a little bit easier to swallow than Darnold and Mahomes against that Jacksonville defense. And although Patty Jack himself can throw a huge game up and save it and beat everyone else, I'm expecting the Stafford-Rosen to win out advantage Chubb. At the running back position, we got ugh, Aaron Jones, which I like, but Lamar Miller ugh, versus David Johnson and Kareem Hunt. Uh, maybe he goes with three-touch, two-touchdown Nick Chubb. Or... Ugh, Latavius Murray if Dalvin Cook doesn't play. Either way, David Johnson and Kareem Hunt are the advantage. Johnson's got a great mashup, and although I think Aaron Jones is a fantastic play right now, I hate Lamar Miller, and I think Kareem Hunt actually gets some passing down work from Patrick Mahomes running for his life. And I'm going to lean David Johnson and Kareem Hunt for the win on that. At receiver, we got Stephon Diggs and Mike Williams versus Julian Edelman and Odell Beckham Jr. Now, in place of Mike Williams, there is a chance that, (sighs) I guess, Taven Austin could get in there, or uh, on the rise, Curtis Samuel, or Taewon Taylor, who actually wouldn't be a bad decision. But chances are that the receivers are going to be needed in Oakland, so that's a good play. Uh, like Diggs, like Mike Williams for a bounce back. But, man, it's tough to go against OBJ and Julian Edelman his first game back. I think they want to make a statement in Indy. I want I want to think that Edelman's going to get hyper-targeted, and even though he may only gain 70, 80 yards, but he'll do it on the back of 10 to 12 catches that makes him a better, safer play, and I think OBJ, although they're both in kind of tough matches, I like I said before, I think this is a get-right game for him, and he's a safer play, so advantage on uh, Clay's side there. That's okay, because the advantage goes to Rob Gronkowski over Ian Thomas, as Ian Thomas has done nothing for Carolina up to this point. Now the Gronk hasn't done much, I think he can finally get a little more honest coverage and get right in this game, especially against a horrid Indianapolis defense. So look for him to put up uh, tight end three or better numbers this week. At the flex position, you got Joe Mixon versus Jarvis Landry. And if Joe Mixon is healthy, I advantage Joe Mixon against that awful Miami defense over Jarvis and that Baltimore although Jarvis is a stud and they're gonna to have to lean on him a lot I just don't see him doing enough compared to Joe Mixon so advantage flex and finally we got the Rams at Seattle versus no defense right now for Clay uh we'll see if he decides to actually keep it that way or if he goes and picks it up if he doesn't play defense I'm going to give the advantage to no country for old players. And if he does pick up a defense, I'm still going to give the advantage to no country for old players. Although his quarterbacks look awful and awful they look. His running backs, his receivers, his tight end, his flex are all fantastic. His defense is going to be a decent play. And I'm thinking that they'll make up for the deficiencies of Sam Darnold. And they're going to end up with a slight win. So give me old country or no country for old. It's so hard to keep up with you guys. Can't you guys just like uh, go like team one and team two or something or team one and team a that way no one gets upset over your team name changes and I can keep track of you. All right. Well, moving on, we got team Gravelin versus this team means war. At the quarterback position, we got Philip Rivers and Andrew Luck versus Aaron Rodgers and Alex Smith. Oh, man, this is actually kind of a selfish choice. These are both fantastic. Uh, I think Rivers is going to have to do quite a bit against Oakland, and I think Andrew Luck is going to have to do a lot against New England. And Alex Smith is going to have to do a lot against New Orleans. So the X Factor is Aaron Rodgers and how much he needs to do. I'm going to give the advantage to Rivers and Luck. Luck showed that even at the end of the game, he doesn't need T.Y. Hilton to put up massive yardage and find people. And although I'm a little worried about his arm on a short week not having had or not having as much rehab time as he's had previous weeks. Um give me the advantage. I mean, they're both good matchups, and Rodgers might not have to do much. And Alex Smith could actually end up having a tough matchup as New Orleans is starting to look like he bounces back a little bit. Or they bounce back a little bit. But that's okay because you have Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott at the running back. And although Melvin Gordon and Marshawn Lynch are great, there's no way we're going against Gurley and Zeke versus the two. I think Melvin Gordon is a top five play. I think Marshawn Lynch is a top 14 play. But it doesn't matter because Gurley is a top three play and Zeke is a top six play. So give me that Gurley-Zeke stack brought to you by Clay for the win. On the receiver side, we got A.J. Green and Adam Thielen versus Doug Baldwin and Quincy Inunwa. Although I don't think A.J. Green's gonna have to put up much. And Thielen's gonna have to overproduce. I think A.J. Green's still gonna be efficient with his limited opportunities. And he's gonna t- they're totally gonna outproduce Doug Baldwin, who I think finally has a decent game this year. And Quincy and who is just gonna get demolished. That whole team is gonna get demolished. Advantage AJ Green and Thielen. At tight end. Does anyone even know who Jeff Hureman is? I mean, I know it's he's on Denver, and he's supposedly a tight end, but does anyone know who he is? Come on. Come on. That's all right, because you had no chance getting picked over Kelsey, even though Kelsey's got a horrible matchup. Uh, honestly, I would probably play Max Andrews over, uh, what was his name? Hureman. Sorry, I forgot it. So, uh, there's that. Uh, (laughs) At the flex position, we got Chris Thompson versus Cooper Cup. Now, this is a tough one. Although Cooper Cup will see more opportunities, Chris Thompson is going to see some great opportunities, and this is a tough one to call. I'm going to actually call it a wash. I think Thompson's more important to the success of Washington this week, but Cooper Cup... Is going to get his and just showed you last week how dominant he can be. So we're gonna call it a even Stevens on the flex. And at the defense, it's the Niners versus the Eagles. Great defense against a good opponent or a bad defense against a bad opponent. Oh, this is tough. Give me give me the Eagles base. Nope. Give me the Niners to outsack. Somehow. God, it's tough. Give me the Niners. Niners' advantage, right? There. I said it. Done. Whatever. Goodbye. All right. So, although we have the advantages of Todd Gurley and Zeke and the tight end Kelsey, God, is it tough to overlook that Melvin Gordon will do nearly as good as those guys and Lynch will do plenty good. And those QBs and receivers, oh, my goodness. Give me team gravelin with the upset and this will definitely be one of the highest scoring games of the week and that'll take uh, man both these teams to three and two thus making the league more evened out and competitive at the worst matchup of the week we have the 55s versus the French cheeses with the stinky injury. At quarterback, we got Carson Wentz and Jared Goff versus Marcus Mariota and Collusion Flack. I mean Joe Flacco. Uh, it's an easy one, Goff and Wentz. Even though Wentz has a tough matchup, oh, you know what? This isn't easy. Wentz does have a tough matchup, but I think Minnesota gives up enough. And Goff, my goodness, Marcus Mariota might not have to do much, but Flacco will do enough. Oh, I'm going to go with the chop, guys, on Wentz and Goff, but it's not that far off as I thought when I first looked at it. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Mariota and Flacco actually outproduced Goff and Wentz, but I'm going to go Slide edge to Goff and Wentz. At the running back position, it's On Johnson and Phillip Lindsay versus Royce Freeman and Matt Breda. Ugh, my goodness. This is guys we didn't expect to be fantasy-relevant for the most part this early in the season or at all. Uh, Give me advantage. Royce Freeman and Matt Burrito, but not by a long shot. At the wide receiver position, we got Corey Davis and Brandon Cooks versus DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen. This is a great matchup the better receivers versus the better matchups i'm gonna go with the upset and say Corey davis does it again and brandon cooks continues to disappoint me and they score more points than deandre hopkins and keenan allen put it down on the books and i feel awful for saying that put it down and then at tight end no one's betting against jared or jared cook versus johnny smith come on come on come on Uh, But that's all right, because Frenchie has the advantage of Juju Smith-Schuster over Calvin Ridley. Uh, They're in the same game, so they're both high-scoring, but Juju has a higher share. And finally, we got the Panthers versus the Chargers. And I think the Panthers are the slight favorite, as the Chargers' defense is hurt. And Oakland keeps throwing up yards and throwing passes. So, advantage 55s on that. And although I'm not a fan of his team, between the receivers, the tight end, the quarterback, and the defenses, I'm going to take the 55s for the win. For the first time ever, I think, I'm picking Brian's team. Next up, we have the matchup of the week. That's right, the undefeated Cinderella story of Jones and Forsome TDs versus the completely disrespected and mistreated, one of the best teams in the league that just has not had been able to put it together or seen p- teams play out of their mind against them, Bill Belichick, Puppet master. So coming in at the QB position, why would this week be any different? We got Deshaun Watson and either Dak Prescott or Ryan Tannehill, probably Dak Prescott, versus the powerhouse highest total in the existence of football matchup of Matt Ryan and Ben Roethlisberger against me. This is insane. Ridiculous. How could I possibly compete against that? There's no way Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott are going to compete with Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger. So let's just give them the win on that. At the running back, it's Christian McCaffrey and James Conner. Massive, massive upside. And they should be the win, as James Conner has a great matchup. And so does Christian McCaffrey, as the Giants have been one of the worst run defenses in the league, especially against pass-catching running backs. But then you look over at the the scrubs that I have to face in James White and TJ Yeldon. And you know what? James White's a top-10 running back this year. Because for some reason, New England finally decided to go two running backs, partially because of injury but they've involved him more than they ever have in the past. It's like, oh, in his prime, he wasn't worth using, but now that he's got some some tre- tread on, off the tires and some miles worn on him, now we're going to start using him in like some workhorse pass-catching role where he's getting more targets than the rest of the team. And in an indie matchup, I expect him to be one of the better running backs this week out of this whole matchup. He's probably gonna catch double-digit balls. He's probably gonna catch 90 yards and get a touchdown in two. Because why wouldn't he? He's playing against me. That's all right, I got James Conner who has been disappointing ever since that week one, really. I know he's had one other good game, but I mean, that was on 17 rushing yards and just passing games the only thing that saved him, which apparently is all a running back is nowadays. But in such a juicy matchup in Atlanta, you got to love him. But that's okay, because I'm playing TJ Yeldon. Oh, wait, Leonard Fournette's out. Oh, wait, he's going up against Kansas City's defense. I'm going to give myself the edge at running back, but honestly, I don't feel great about it. These, These matchups for these scrubs of running backs that are just outperforming what they should is too juicy. So moving on, I got Michael Thomas, number one receiver in the league. I got Amari Cooper, who should have a bad game this week, which means he actually should decent, be decent. But I'm going against Julio Jones in that Pittsburgh game. I'm going against Golden Tate in Green Bay, or against Green Bay, who has decent corners that will take Marvin Jones and Kelly Galliday out and leave Golden Tate to run down the middle. So, I mean, honestly, on the back of Julio Jones' 400-yard game, I'm going to give the advantage to Jones and for some TDs for the win on the wide receivers. But that's okay. I do have some exposure to ATL game between Connor, my flex position, and my tight end, Vance McDonald, doing the Vance dance. And hopefully he does the Vance dance and I have a massive, massive day. Because I'm going up against Zach Ertz, and I don't care that it's in air against Minnesota. Anthony Barr has been getting just demolished in coverage. So unless they do something different, Zach Ertz is going to have a big game. So although I think Vance has a huge game, there's too many range of outcomes, whereas Ertz is the safe one, so advantage Zach Ertz. And finally, I get a win in the flex. That's actually a win I believe in with Devonta Freeman in Pittsburgh versus J.J. in Minnesota. Now, I mean, I have some other plays I could put in here with the aforementioned Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, where if Golden Tate zigs, they could zag. I also have Bilal Powell, who I think will actually do enough in Denver on a catch basis to be all right. Can't trust Kenyon Drake, though, so the only other option would be Alshon Jeffrey, but man, he is going to see some Xavier Rhodes, and although he had a massive game last week, I I can't trust it, so Devonta Freeman is the play, especially with that high point total, and I just don't believe in Jay and I don't believe in Jay back in Minnesota. Um, Sanders could get thrown in here, but honestly, Sanders does have a touch ma- tough matchup out of the slot. And he's been kind of disappointing lately. I mean, he might zag and go Jordy Nelson or Randall Cobb if he's healthy. I mean, honestly, I look at it and I see why he would play JHI. He has the most likely opportunity for a touchdown out of pretty much anyone here, as he will get goal line work as they do move the ball a little bit. And as long as he holds up healthy, which he says he's going to. He probably will get a touchdown against me, and I will be helpless to do anything. And then in the defense position, I have a little ray of hope. As of right now, i got the Texans slotted in because I can't really trust the Vikings in Philly against the Jaguars, which, oh my god, I'd pick the Jaguars every day, but they are playing Kansas City, and there is a sliver of hope that Pat Mahomes just picks apart this team. But with that said, I'm going to give advantage to the Texans and having to do just one job of stopping Zeke Elliott for the most part. So, and I don't feel good about it, but, uh, I mean, obviously with my only advantage really coming at the flex in the running back position, but like I said, the beautiful matchups, at his scrub running backs, Uh, and and that just stack of Matt Ryan and Ben Roethlisberger, I'm going to have to give Jones for some TDs to win, putting me to 1-4 in this improbable of seasons. Improbable of seasons. So that wraps up the Week 5 preview, and now we're going to take a moment and head over to our good friend, the fantasy philosopher for his hot young stud of the week.
0: (laughs)
2: Must be my
3: birthday. Hello, podcast world, and welcome to another installment of Fantasy Musings with me, Brian, the fantasy philosopher. As always, I would like to open today's musings by sharing some genius with you plebs. A great thinker and a great man once said, "You're talking to the Rolex-wearing." Diamond ring wearing, kiss dealing, wheelin' dealin', limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these gators down. Woo. Another person who's having trouble holding these gators down is week five's fantasy breakout, Saquon Barkley, running back for the New York Giants. Eli Manning is no longer good at football. Watching Eli play football right now is like watching a limbless, starving child in Alabama chase a donut down a hill. It is really sad. You wish there was something you could do to help, but you are primarily paralyzed by confusion trying to figure out what in the hell is even going on here. Thankfully, the New York Giants have Saquon Barkley, who is really good at football. I have watched hours of film on Mr. Barkley, and while he spends too much time on, like, the x-axis, once he realizes there's like a y-axis, he is super dangerous. Su- uh, Saquon Barkley is a lock for at least 10 touches this week, and I would even go as far as to say I would start him over Kenyon Drake this week, and to be honest, you should probably start him over Ryan Tannehill in the Superflex if you find yourself in that position. Traditionally, I close these adventures by thanking a very important player in my life, But I want to deviate slightly from that tradition and preemptively thank Matt Patricia, head coach for the Detroit Lions. Coach Gimley, why must you put Blunt in the game? Some people say that it's because you are a troglodyte jackass moron who doesn't know any better. Some people say that Blunt has embarrassing pictures of you that he is threatening to release. However, the most plausible explanation is that Lake Aaron Blunt is a lotion you must put on the skin or else Coach Belichick would give you the hose again. But you are a strong and decent man, Coach Gimley. And I thank you ahead of time for doing the right thing and giving the opponents your axe. Carry on, Johnson. Fantasy Philosopher, out.
2: It must be my birthday.
1: Well, that sounds like one hot young stud. Thanks again to the fantasy philosopher and for y'all to uh, for dropping in and listening to me today. I uh, hope we had a little fun and I hope that all your fantasy dreams don't come true as mine do. This has been... The FF Goonie, wishing you a happy Sunday, a happy week five, and remember, Goonies never say die.
2: I hurt myself today but I remember everything What have I become My sweetest friend Everyone I know Goes away in the I would keep myself I would find a way That's all, folks. That's all, folks.
1: Hello, my name is Jason, and I am an Amari Cooper user. I used to be a pretty regular guy, fantasy guy. I had my ups, I had my downs, you know, the normal stuff. I never really really tried the hard stuff. Kenny Britt, CJ Spiller, Trent Richardson, I never fell into these repeat traps. I had my head on my shoulders, I had a good job, wife, kids, I'd win some championships, I'd make the playoffs most times, you know, I was just, I had a good fantasy life. And then one day, a friend came to me, and he asked if I wanted to try some Amari. I don't know, this must have been three years ago. My friend told me how amazing taking some Cooper was. Told me how cheap it was with all the rush that came with him. A thousand plus yards, 70 plus catches, a weekly starter. It all sounded too good to be true. And he was. The first time I got high scoring with Cooper was amazing. I didn't want it to end, but like all things, it came with a price. The lows started coming using Cooper. And every once in a while, those high scores came back. So I kept rolling the Cooper, but each high score came with three times the low scores. So I started trying to flex him. Like it was going to help. What a fool I was. <sighs> My work started slipping. And finally, I came to the realization. So I benched I benched Cooper. Only to find out that he would just keep giving other players high scores. So then I just went back to me rolling Cooper in again. <sighs> just to be left passed out in the fantasy gutter that's when it happened last year my wife left with the kids she said like it was like i was never there always zoned out into a fantasy app seeing what amari was doing right then and when i was there it was just fits of rage because of the low scores I was getting and all the high scores I'd miss on. I didn't come here today to receive your pity. I just wanted to tell my story so that you don't fall into the spiral that has become my life. I'm asking you today to just say no. Say no to Cooper. Unless it comes with a cup. I'm Jason, and I'm starring Amari Cooper this week.